All right, well, welcome everybody to the very first, the inaugural episode here of the Puget Podcast. I think that's what we'll be calling it. Uh, it's a working title there. Uh, my name is Eric Brown. I'm marketing manager here at Puget Systems, and with me I have John Bach, the president and founder of Puget Systems, as well as Matt Bach, uh, who is the senior labs technician. I do a lot of stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Doer of lots of things. Doer I of think things. either you keep changing your title a lot or we keep changing a lot. I'm not sure which it is. It's hard to come up with good titles. <laughs> Um, so if you're, uh, if you're familiar with us, you might be wondering kind of like why we're doing a podcast right now. Um, uh, over our kind of 20 years of experience, um, we do have our 20th birthday coming up next year, right? It's mm-hmm. exciting. Um, I think we've gained a lot of insight, a lot of perspective, a lot of knowledge. Um, and we haven't done a lot to actually kind of share that out there. Uh, we do publish a lot of articles, primarily the work that you're doing. Um, but that tends to be very data-driven and not uh, kind of general and have perspective behind it, I guess. And so I'm hoping that the podcast here kind of fills that void. Um, if you have no idea who we are, you might be wondering why the hell you should be listening to us. Um, so, uh, John, I'm actually going to have you kind of kick things off here and dive into kind of what Puget Systems does and how did it all start? How did you get here? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, we are, at our core, we're a manufacturer of workstations. And we focus on workstations for content creation, engineering, and scientific computing. Now, how I got here, um, I'll give the short answer. Uh, so we've been in business 19 years now. Um, I started the business while in college, and um, it was it was kind of just born out of like I was the tech kid that could do this kind of thing, and let's let's see what kind of living I could make out of it. And so at that time, it was a lot more like I'd build anything you want, uh, a true like custom computer provider. Um, and I don't know, I have a lot of fond memories back in those days. Uh, we'd do a lot of home computers, a lot of gaming computers, and um, over time, like we, we gravitated more towards the professional end. And how did, that, how did that evolution happen, I guess, going from primarily serving kind of that enthusiast industry, yeah. and then now here we are kind of in the professional industry. How did that evolution happen? Yeah. Why did it happen? Well, I, I like to say like when we were doing gaming PCs, we were always the most boring gaming PC provider. <laughs> so we always gravitated more towards like, we we always cared more about reliability and performance than we did about um, like the flashiness of it. Um, and so we always kind of made those those types of decisions with that in mind. Like when it came to overclocking, we, would, we wouldn't we would overclock. Uh, we wouldn't prefer to overclock because we knew that that diminished the reliability of the computer and that was more important to us than eking out a few more percent um, performance in certain applications. So um, as we, so that was like built into our, that was at our core and that attracted a certain type of user. It was customers that were more mission focused, that had a job to get done. And so we felt that pull over towards the workstation end of things. And it was really in about 2008, 2009, uh, during that economy downturn, mm-hmm. um, that we, we that caused us to search a little bit more for like, okay, what is it that we, we really bring uniquely into the market? And uh, really found our calling with, with workstations for those specific applications. And boy, it's been, Honestly, it's been like a lot more challenging, a lot more fun, uh, because now we're building workstations that have this this purpose behind it, and we're we get to be part of a bigger purpose than just like putting together a computer. So I'm putting together the computer. It's just it's Legos. Anybody can do that. Uh, but like solving a problem is is sure. more exciting. It's more fulfilling. Um, it's more sustainable as a business. Um, so yeah, I think we've already kind of we always had it in us that, that was what it was most important to us. But it wasn't until around ten years ago that it really clicked and we realized like okay, that's our mission. Now we know what we're going after, and so it's cool. It's cool now that we have that as like a very defined focus of the company. Absolutely. 
so Matt, you've been kind of essential. I talked a little bit earlier about the, the publications uh, that, that you work on. And so you've been kind of essential to this evolution of the company moving more toward uh, kind of a professional focus. Do you want to talk a little yeah. bit about what your role is now? Sure. So, I mean, I guess even just going back to a little bit of the history. So I've been with the company for a long time, not the full 19 years, but I think like 17 um, back when John was my bigger older brother, you know, picked on me and everything, <laughs> uh, but not really. Uh, but so I've been here a long time and I did a lot of production stuff for a long time. Uh, but yeah, it was around that 2008, 2009 time is when we launched our labs department and it's, it's changed a lot over the years. I think when we launched it, we weren't really quite sure what we wanted it to be. And it started off like we were doing hardware reviews and um, you know publishing those reviews. And it was a lot of the same stuff that there's a bunch of people already doing it. There's like Tom's Hardware and Nantech, and they do terrific jobs. So I think we kind of realized like, we don't really need to be doing this. We're, we're just rehashing the same stuff that they're doing, only they're doing better. Yep. So we then pivoted the role of labs into being more, okay, well, let's cover the things that they are not covering. You know, they're looking at performance and gaming things or uh, synthetic benchmarks that are out there like PC Mark or Geekbench, which are great benchmarks, but they're generic. And so we took on like, okay, well, we know our customers are using these applications like uh, Premiere Pro or DaVinci Resolve or Photoshop. Let's actually see how this hardware works in those applications in the real world. And we've discovered just over the years that it's vastly different than gaming or synthetic benchmarks. So uh, that was kind of the start of the current iteration of Labs is how does the hardware actually work with the software that people are using? And even past that, it's been changing and growing, especially over the last couple of years, because I mean, we're starting to find more and more that, like John mentioned before, like we're not just hardware manufacturer anymore, we're like a solution provider and that comes there's a lot more that goes into that oh, than just hardware that, yeah. yeah so you know now labs is also taking on the role of you know going to shows like we're going to adobe max uh, very soon and my whole role there going is not to help with the booth that we have it's to go there and learn like what are people actually doing where is the industry going uh what headaches are people dealing with now um you know right now it's a lot of things like well, what is going to be changed by AI or what is being affected by GPU acceleration? And so it's figuring out all those things so that we as a company have a direction of, you know, where is the industry going? And also just like internally disseminating all that knowledge. Like our sales guys need to know, you know, what's happening, what's going on, what are people's frustrations? Uh, same thing with like support. They need to know, you know, what issues do people run into? How can they fix those issues? Um, you know, it's not just a oh, well, your hardware is fine, talk to Adobe. It's, no, okay, your hardware is fine. It looks like this is your problem. Uh, we've seen this before. We think, you know, the, these couple of things are ways to mitigate the issue or get around the issue until it's officially fixed by whoever. And we still re still report those bugs, but here's a workaround. And so that, that's kind of the current role of Labs is almost being the bridge between the hardware and the actual workflow of our customers. So that obviously kind of highlights really well um, the impact that your role has had on the company. But I'm kind mm -hmm. of inter uh, interested in, in your thoughts on how your role has kind of impacted the industry, at least the one well, that, the industry as a whole. Uh, that you're researching. Yeah, yeah well, I, I think a lot of it is kind of behind the scenes and things that people won't either admit to or won't even know. Um, I mean, there's, there's examples where like uh, before we started doing all this software testing, 
honestly, everyone was selling the wrong thing. Um, something like After Effects, and we were selling dual Xeons. And like, okay, that was true, or that was good years and years and years ago, but as things have changed, you know, CPUs have higher core counts, the software has changed, like GPU acceleration has become a part. It, it was just wrong. And no one really knew until, hey, now we're actually doing the testing, and then you know, we immediately change what we sell, but you start noticing everyone else is starting to change what they sell or change what they recommend. Yeah. And it's been a long, slow uh, process because we can do our testing and we can say, no, this is right, but people have to believe us. And you know, when you come out of nowhere and say, everyone else is wrong, it's really hard for people to believe you. <laughs> so we've had, you know, this is like 10 years now where we've been kind of building up our authority, building up our credibility of like, no, we actually know what we're talking about. This, like, we, we understand what you're doing and we understand the hardware and this is the truth. Like, ignore that forum post you found from five years ago of a guy who was recommending something. Like, he could have been right five years ago, sure. but that's five years ago. So I think we're really helping drive um, just like the correct uh, combination of the hardware to the software. Um, and I mean, we're also, you know, we work with Intel and AMD and Nvidia and all and Samsung and all those guys. And, you know, we have enough of their year now where we can tell them like, this is what people are actually doing in the real world. Because oftentimes they're so focused on the hardware and focused on what they can do yeah. that they kind of lose sight of what they should do kind of. Um, they often make decisions that are great for, you know, the general population or for general computing, but not for content creators. Totally. And I think, too, that like as we as we mature as a company or as we have matured as a company, you know, if you go back 15 years, we were 15 years ago, we were talking with Intel and AMD to help like with hardware bugs that we found. Mm -hmm. And so you know, it's, it's always funny, like you look at BIOS updates posted by like motherboard manufacturers and they say like stability fixes like behind that bios update is almost always a company like us that found a problem reported it to them and really held their feet to the fire to, to get something fixed and so we've been doing that forever mm -hmm. and and most system integrators like us have, have been doing that forever but now that we're we're taking more advocacy for the solution like now it's more than just the hardware now it's like the software and how the software interacts with the hardware and so we have to have conversations with intel and adobe and Microsoft or anyone who will listen uh, because all these things have to come together and actually work. And that's actually really challenging because it's, mm -hmm. it's almost easy to solve a hardware problem. And it's easy to solve a software bug, but it's really hard when you have all these guys pointing fingers at each other yeah. saying, ah, it's a hardware issue, that's a software issue. Like we're the ones in the middle trying to be air traffic control on all that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, sometimes it's not even a bug. It's just the way that things work and then trying to find you know, trying to help them find whatever workaround there is. I mean, we've dealt with even issues recently with, um, well, I don't know if I want to get into specifics, but uh, yeah, we dealt with issues where yeah, it's like the hardware and the software is just not quite talking right. And oftentimes um, what we especially run into is that these problems don't exist on lower end machines or like laptops. It's not until you get to like really high core count CPUs or really powerful video cards that these issues start to crop up. Um, and so, and that's not the majority of their users. Um, so I mean, I'll just pick on a, Adobe because we're going to Adobe Max, but they, <laughs> they um, it, but this is true for anyone out there. Like they, they have the things that they're trying to do. They're trying to get in new features. They're trying to fix old bugs. And it's really hard for them to prioritize 
um, you know, little issues that only apply to 1% of their users or even less oftentimes because so many people, you know, they do graphic design on laptops or MacBooks and that's not a $5,000 computer, but when someone buys a $5,000 computer, you want it to work like a $5,000 computer. Um, so it's a hard, hard thing for us to, or for everyone really. And it's not the fault of any one person. It's just, there's a lot going on for everybody. Yeah. And, and you could also argue that, you know, the, the software vendors, the ISVs, like they don't have the access to hardware that you do. That's true. So that makes yeah. it much more difficult for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we often hear um, that, you know, oh, we have this problem. They're like, well, it doesn't work on this system from three years ago. Or like, it doesn't happen on this system from three years ago. And it's like, well, okay, that's a system from three years ago. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that I think, um, you know, people are starting to try to do to solve that. I mean, we're even taking part, we have a couple of projects that we're hoping will work um, where maybe, you know, we can actually get them better access to that more up-to-date hardware. And we'll, we'll see how all that stuff goes, but that's, that's another role that we can kind of play. And, you know, when we're being this uh, bridge between the software and the hardware, um, how can we help them talk to each other and talk with end users right. or understand end users? Um, so you, Matt, you had kind of brought up uh, a couple of things earlier. You had brought up AI. You had mm-hmm. brought up uh, kind of GPU acceleration. So, John, I kind of want to pivot over to you. Um, uh, maybe either maybe it's one of those things, or is there anything else that you're seeing happen kind of in our industry right now that you think will have impact mm-hmm. long-term to the industry? Yeah, well, I think things like GPU and acceleration and even AI are, like, those are all things the industry has gone through before um uh, like you go back 10 years and we had single core processors that then went to multi-core and like all the developers had to change all their codes and now take advantage of multi-threading and then we kind of went on for a while and and by the way like many of them still haven't even done that (laughs) Um, but now we go forward more years and then we add gpu acceleration and now all the developers have to build gpu acceleration into things and i view ai as like that like ai is awesome but like we've done this before that there's like a new technology that now we have to integrate. And so that's one thing we're absolutely going through. Um, I think something that impacts industry even more than that though, that maybe not a lot of people understand as well is how um, technology is progressing in a very different way than it has in the past. It used to be just like make things faster, just make things faster, faster, faster. And as the hardware gets faster, all the software gets faster as well. And that was called, uh, that was that was quantified at least by Moore's law. More transistors, more speed over time, and everything just gets faster. And that's not really sustaining as time goes on. And so we're having to be, the industry as a whole is having to be more creative about how to make things faster. And the way that you do that is more specialization. And so you may notice as you go to whatever website that now there's, instead of five CPU options, there's like 20 CPU options. Or I think with the Intel Xeons, it's like 50 different CPUs. It's, <laughs> it's maddening. And all of that is because that's how we have to get faster now is to have a, a, a technology, whether it's a CPU or a video card or whatever, that is tailor-made for a very specific application. And now that application does great, but we have to support all these different products now in order to make all these workloads work faster. And so that's that, that's okay. That's, that's fine that you know, we're going to achieve performance um, increases over time with that. But it means that the industry as a whole is like in chaos. There's like, there's more products. Um, All these manufacturers aren't very well versed in like how to manage that many products. So they're doing a poor job on each one of them because they're just stretched thinner. Um, And so for us, 
that introduces a bunch of like values that we can bring into the industry. Uh, one is help the industry make sure all these products work because now they're supporting five times as many parts as they were in the past. But also because specialization is now the way that you get a faster computer, it's not just like spend more money and it'll be faster. Like those days are, are over. Right. You have to buy the right thing. And so now you need an advocate industry that knows your workflow that then can tell you like what the right specialized tool is for your job. Um, and that's where, you know, what Matt was saying earlier, if you go to the forum post from five years ago, it was always, you know, buy the dual Xeon. Cause in the past it was just like, if you spend more money, you get faster hardware, faster hardware means faster software. Right. And that's just not true anymore. What do you think about um, kind of expanding on that whole specialization thing? I know there's a lot of talk about ASICs or FPGAs, um, which, Getting pretty technical, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, getting a little, <laughs> yeah, get a little <laughs> bit into the weeds, but but that kind of stuff is very specialized hardware. Mm -hmm. Like if, if there's any uh, video editors listening, it'd be like the the Rocket X card from Red that like accelerates Red footage uh, yeah. decoding, or like I think Apple's coming out with one for ProRes with the new Mac Pro, um, and that's kind of an example of an ASIC where it's a specialized piece of hardware that is only one thing. Do you, yeah. do you think we're going to start seeing more well, I of think, those? Well, I think the more that we have this like fragmentation, the more that opportunities will come up for that. Because right now, like a processor or a video card, or, or it's like a Swiss Army knife, but it's like really good at one thing, and then it's like not so great, but it can do other things. And an ASIC is like to the extreme. It, like it only can do that one thing. You like try mm -hmm. to ask an ASIC to like play music. Like it, no, it just it you can't. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I mean, it's opening up more opportunity where, like, economically it's more feasible. But I still think the ASICs are only going to come into play for, like, a very specific application. But, like, something like AI is one of those applications. Mm -hmm. Well, and we're seeing that now is being integrated onto the video cards. Like, yeah. uh, the, the RTX cards from NVIDIA have tensor cores, which are specialized for AI. Which is stuff. basically, I mean, it's like, kind of like an ASIC-like approach, yeah. right? It's, right? It's specialized hardware. Well, and I guess they already have, also, video cards have, like, built-in H.264 uh, decoding built-in. Mm -hmm. Like, your phone has a specialized chip that just does that, so you can play videos yeah. on your phone. So, yeah, I suppose we're already there. It's just um, how much of that is going to be coming to the consumer. Yeah. yeah, and it's always a question of, of cost, really. You know, yeah. it, it costs a certain amount to implement specialized hardware. Is it worth that cost? Mm -hmm. So I guess I have the same question uh, that I had, or I guess diving deeper yeah. into the question that I have of John. It's like specifically for the industries that you're researching, uh, do you see any trends that are kind of going to have a big impact, I guess, on specifically, say, the content creation? Industry? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think a lot of them are not hardware-based. Um, well, like, uh, hardware is a, a factor, but it's not going to be stuff that like we're going to be able to tackle directly as a hardware manufacturer. Um, I, I we already mentioned AI a couple of times. That is definitely a huge thing in the content creation space because like, I mean, it's already starting to take over some people's jobs. Um, you know, you have, you know, people I mean, who that could probably be a whole episode of its own. It right could there. be an yeah. entire thing, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but what we're starting to see is that. Uh, or what we expect to see is that AI is going to be taking on a lot of the more mundane things, the boring things, the things that you're just like, you have an intern or, you know, someone a little bit lower level who's doing all this stuff, like like tagging your footage and organizing things. And um, maybe even like subtitles soon will be able to be fully handled by AI way better than it has been handled by existing software. Um, and then we're, we're just going to have to kind of see where that stuff 
ends? Like, does it take on those really annoying things and that just frees up everyone to spend more time on the creative side, which is, would be awesome? Or are we going to start seeing that it's even going to start enroaching or encroaching on the creative stuff where it's actually doing some of those things? Have we seen that happening at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely there's there's a few trailers, uh, movie trailers that were fully cut by AI. Um, there was a commercial in Japan. I think this was at SIGGRAPH or NAB they were showing it. Uh, it was a commercial in Japan where AI actually fully uh, did all of the like, storyboarding and planning for the commercial. Wow. And uh, it was actually shot by normal people, but they, basically the AI did the whole planning, and it was um, compared against something that was made by an actual professional or you know designed by a professional. And at the end, they asked people like, "Which one do you prefer?" And it was like a fifty-fifty split. Wow! So um, we're just gonna have to see like, at what point is it no longer valuable content because it was made by a computer? It's kind of like like furniture, I, I guess. Like you can buy the mass manufactured furniture. And it's like, yeah, it's okay. It kind of does the job. You can sit on it. Or you can get the really nicely made, handmade, you know, solid wood chair. And like, yeah, it's a chair. It's still a chair. Sure. It's, it's doing a specific thing, but it's way higher quality. It's better. You can actually enjoy it more. Um, and I think some of that is going to be, I don't know exactly what it's going to do um, because of like the sheer amount of content that people will be able to put out with that kind of thing like we're already like almost overwhelmed with how much content there out there is out there i mean youtube i don't even want to know how many minutes of footage there is put out there every like you know minute of real time it's It's always there's like a new podcast popping up every day (laughs) weird yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) kind of video would do that yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but i think it's gonna like even if all ai takes on is those more mundane things or like to start you to get to a certain point where then you can be creative that's going to free up you know, so many people just from home. You know, They can shoot something on their phone, and then they can throw it into the software, and it kind of tells them, um, like, okay, here's what we kind of recommend, and then they can take that on. And we're already seeing that you know, already coming in. And so I, I think that's one thing with the industry that's going to be very interesting to see is how all this new stuff just floods um, you know people's phones or you know what people are looking at um and that one i think people are going to really have to figure out it's not going to affect like hollywood films it's going to affect uh you know youtube and twitch and all those you know social media things. that's a tough one too because like as a consumer of the content at the end of the day like all i really care about is that i'm entertained by exactly you know yeah but it does remove that creative uh that creative element of it so Mm -hmm. that is tough yeah so we'll have to see how that goes um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of other things in the industry, but I, I think that's probably one of the biggest ones. And again, I think in the end, what we're going to find is that AI is just going to be a tool in your tool belt. Um, I've already seen uh, upcoming up for Adobe Max, they were showing you know better. Um, what was it? It was uh, object selection in Photoshop. So you just like draw a box around you know this this table and like or draw it kind of around this bottle and it automatically like cuts it out for you it like knows that that's what you want and it cuts it out um and that kind of stuff is just time saver um and especially once you start getting that into things like vfx and not having to manually rotoscope things every single frame no people love doing that actually yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, if you just say like oh no i want to follow this person and boom done and it, it if it can be the quality of a person that doing that manually, that's a huge amount of time savings. Right. Technically, that's a person's job that can be lost, but I, my hope would be that that person's job just morphs into something else. Right. It's time it, that can be spent 
doing some more doing, doing something, something more more creative or I mean there's there's never enough time for the work that people actually want to do like you're always putting out something that like hopefully you're happy with and you feel great about but there's always another little tweak you, yep. could, you could do so I'm hoping it frees up that time to do that kind of thing all right well thank you guys for joining me we should probably start wrapping this up I promise in the future to the uh, to the audience here these will be much less about us because we are boring um, in the future, we do plan on bringing in uh, hardware and software industry experts, uh, filmmakers, VFX artists, motion graphics artists, engineers, data scientists, you name it. Uh, hopefully you walk away with a uh, kind of better understanding of what's happening in our industry, in yours, why it's happening, and kind of what that means to you. Uh, so thank you for listening. And if you have any uh, ideas of what we can do for future topics for future episodes, uh, let us know. Thanks.